I used to sit right here. It was a different church, smaller youth group, just a couple of rows. But I used to sit right where you sit. I can't tell you how encouraging it is every Sunday to, to look here and see you all. And sometimes I wish I could sit here again. But that would make this part of worship very awkward. <laughs> you see, I had to move from here to here. And that was a, a growing process. You all are going through a growing process. Physically, emotionally, certainly spiritually. We're talking about growing in this series that we're talking about called Growing with God. And what I want not just the teens to understand, but everyone to understand, is that regardless of what section of the auditorium you sit in, we should all be growing closer to the Lord each day. You should look backward in your life with Jesus and say, I, I can't believe how far he's brought me. And I'm not there yet, but I know that he's brought me thus far. And that should encourage you and help you in your walk. A lot of times we think this part of this group, this section, this dynamic is, are the only ones that have to grow. But wherever you are, wherever you sit, I believe if you'll let him, God will grow you and change you and mature you and use you. And that's what uh, this series is about. We talked two weeks ago about giving up. That's the first step toward growing your relationship. You've got to be able to give up yourself. A seed does no good until it dies, until it's buried in the ground. And then, then last week, we, or uh, two weeks, sorry, last week we, we talked about seeking light. That the first part of that growing process for a plant is it begins to seek the light so they can get the energy that it needs to grow. But it's not just true for plants. It's especially true for people. We have to seek the light of God's presence, the light of God's word. And if we'll do that, we'll get stronger. Today I'm talking about a, a difficult subject because, well, we'll talk about why it's difficult. We're talking about growing up. And wherever you are, I hope you're growing. I hope that you can look in your relationship with the Lord and say, God has brought me to this point and I'm thankful for that. Outside my office window are two trees. Now, those two trees look similar, especially this time of year, but those two trees are very different. One tree uh, changes with the seasons. Hopefully, here in a, a few weeks, there will be buds on that, and then leaves will come out of the buds. It will begin to flower through the spring. The leaves will stay on, and then they'll gradually begin to change through the fall. And while the one tree is going through all of those changes, the tree right beside it doesn't change at all. You see, it died. I don't know when it died, but it just stopped growing. 
all living things grow and life changes everything. It's in fact one of the only constants in life is change. If you're watching online or if you're just looking up here and there are times I know, not probably in my sermons, but when you get distracted or you sort of wander mentally. And maybe you've noticed the things that are behind me. They put this foliage behind me to sort of spruce it up a little bit. Perhaps you've noticed the two trees that we have. I don't exactly know why we have these trees here, but there they are. Two giant trees. They look kind of cool, but they're, they're not alive. You know how I know that? Uh, because it's February and they are still got their green leaves on them. In all the years that they've been there, I haven't seen them grow a single inch. They haven't changed. We understand that, that growing is a part of living. The good news is that as you grow and things change, uh, if you don't like the way things are, the good news is if you're growing, it'll change. You'll get through it. And the bad news is if you're sitting there going, well, I pretty much like the way things are in my life. <laughs> well, life probably has other things in plan for you. It's good to grow. But sometimes it's hard. We realize all too, apparent, all too quickly how much things grow and change. Hop up on Facebook and Facebook tells you, oh, you have a memory. Something happened. Oh, thank you, Facebook. I'll go back and look. Go back in the, in the Wayback Machine and go back. Last year one popped up from eight years ago. And Tyler was announcing to the world that he was going to be a big brother. To, that he predicted he was going to have a little sister who wasn't yet here. And that warmed my heart, but it also made my heart ache. Because here she is, seven years old. And so I went in and I said, Grace, here's the deal. I think seven is just the perfect age, don't you? Let's just stop right here. Of course, we tease back and forth like that, but it's just a part of life that things that are alive are growing and growing things change. It's the same with Jesus. If you're alive with Jesus, if you're growing with Jesus, He's going to make you different. He's going to use some circumstances and some seasons, some obstacles and some trials to change you. Can I hear a oh yeah on that? He is. Growing sounds fun, but then we realize growing can be hard too. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I hope you'll follow along. You need to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you didn't turn there when Brad read it. The first thing we need to understand as we begin together is that everyone is at a different point. I think this would help a great deal in the, the unity in the body of Christ. Not that we necessarily have a problem at Northside. But anywhere you have dysfunction and, and drama and, and difficulty, it's because two people or two groups fail to understand each other. Let me give you an example this morning. Um, if you are, and I know you've got your Bibles open, so just put your finger there. If you are a new Christian, and what I'm going to qualify that as this morning, if you've been baptized within the last five years, you've put on Christ in baptism between today and 
February 25th, 2013. Would you stand up for a second? That's cool. Now, stay standing up for a second because I need to tell you something. Regardless of their physical age, you are babes, infants in Christ. And we understand that young in your faith as you are, we need to encourage you and build you up and help you. And we want you to grow. And that's how a church body works. You're at a different point. You're going to... You're going to perceive things differently. You're still learning in the Word. You're still growing in that relationship with Him. You're still learning other Christ- from other Christians and learning as you go. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. It's an exciting time of your spiritual life. Now, for those of us who are older in Christ, it's very necessary that we show mercy and kindness and lots of grace, encouragement and love. So that these young little, and please don't take this insultingly, but you're kind of a sapling. You can be blown over quite easily. Your roots aren't quite all the way down. That's okay. We all started there. But But to encourage these saplings to grow, we water, we feed, we encourage, we do whatever we can. We're glad you're with us on the journey. We want to help you. And that's what our goal is at Northside. Now, you can be seated. Now, just for a second, I want to ask those of you who have been a Christian more than 40 years to stand up. Between, uh, I'm sorry, over 40 years, if you've been a Christian, please stand up. Ah, the mighty oaks. Now, you understand you have a different role, too. You've weathered some storms, haven't you? Your roots have had to learn to go down deep. You've watched younger saplings not make it through the storms. You've weathered some hard times. You've got the scars to prove it. You're strong. And you need to encourage others to keep going. And to keep growing, we all have a different role, you see. In the body of Christ, in the beautiful forest that it is, every tree, every size, every one along the journey has a part to play. You may be seated. This is what Paul is saying when he says to the Christians at Ephesus, and he's very careful here. He wants us to understand the importance of unity in the body of Christ is the context. He says, and he gave the apostles. They were probably the, the closest that we would have had to the oaks at the time. Had been with Jesus the longest. Had been with the movement called the way since the beginning. The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers. These were the ones that uh, maybe it was the apostles themselves, but it was probably likely other men and other leaders within the church that they appointed to do the things that the church needed to do. If Jesus is the cornerstone and the apostles are the foundation, uh, these are the first few floors and layers of this beautiful building to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we 
may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, look what he says here, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We have a responsibility to pause as a body and ask ourselves, not just where am I, but where is my brother or sister in Christ? And what benefits and encourages them? It's so important that if we, if we think about that, our love, our mercy, our kindness toward one another will greatly improve. The second thing is, if you want to grow, there are some consistent things that you can do. If you're, if you're sort of in the sapling stage, or maybe just a little bit beyond that, and you say, I want to get closer to the Lord, I desire to know Him better, I'm going to give you three practical things that you can do this morning. The first is, uh, you've got to choose that you want to grow. Growing, except for physical growth... A maturity improvement in any area of life happens because you decide to do so. If you want a better marriage, it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by just sitting on the couch staring at your phones. You've got to say, I'm going to put those away and actually talk to the person I love. I've got to date my spouse. I've got to pour into them each day like we did when we were first dating. If you want to be a better parent, that doesn't happen by accident. You've got to be intentional and purposeful. You, you should talk to other parents who've already raised their children and ask, how did you do it? Will we survive? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And if you're a parent who's raised your children and they are still in Christ, you need to say, yes, there is hope. There are good days ahead. Whatever you want to grow in, you have to choose to grow. That's the first thing you've got to do. Okay, once you've chosen, yes, I want to grow, that's important, and I believe God wants me to grow, the first thing you can do is open up your Bible. Okay? Now, the Word is powerful and effective. And there are several scriptures that attest to that. I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul there writes to his apprentice. He said, as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that, catch what he does here, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. You see, he starts by talking about Timothy's childhood. I don't know if Paul knew Timothy when he was a child, but he understood that his mother, his grandmother, had trained him, had poured the word into his little heart, and had helped him, and Paul had been training him and working with him. And he was saying the importance of God's word and the efficacy within our lives to, to help Timothy grow from a child into a man. Think of the opposite direction. 1 Corinthians is a letter written to the church at Corinth. 
And Paul is really chastising them. They've got all these issues and struggles. And he says in 1 Corinthians 13, I, I know he talks about love as a spiritual gift, but he says in there, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I spoke in childish ways. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. See, he, he, was, he was trying to say, you're not where you need to be. You should be growing more than you have been. You're not growing, and I fear that if you're not growing, you're dying. Now, probably that was one that most of you knew, and, and oh, that's reasonable, okay? But listen, the word that you get in 30 minutes, if that's all the word that you get, is not enough. You will die of spiritual starvation. I mean, my sermons are pretty good, if I do say so myself, but... 30 minutes a week is not enough. You need to remind yourself daily with the promises and the truths and the power that come from God's Word. The second thing you can do is step out in faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, a well-known verse in a chapter that's well-known for talking about faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I never caught that, but man, there are, he's saying you can do good things, you can have, a, you can be a giving person, you can be involved in many ministries, you can do lots of good for other people, but unless you have faith, it's impossible to please God. He says really where it starts. And we, not only do we want to start in faith, but we want to grow in faith. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he says in, uh, there, uh, remembering, that would be 1 Thessalonians, which is the wrong ones. <laughs> there you go. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. They were proud because the faith that they had in the Lord was growing. So let me ask you a question rather directly. When was the last time you stepped out in faith, not knowing where it would lead, but trusting God because he's good and because he loves you? Amy Dops uh, has stepped out in faith, and we had a conversation a couple of Sundays ago. She wanted and felt convicted in her heart that God was calling her to lead a coffee shop Bible study. She didn't know how to do that. She didn't know where it would go or how successful it would be. But she trusted the Lord. She talked to some wise people, and she stepped out in faith. I mean, there was a moment when Amy had to get up, get in her car with her Bible, and go to a coffee shop and open it and wait. That's faith. That's that moment where you have the, I don't know how this is going to go. And we read about those folks in Hebrews chapter 11. My question for us today, or my challenge really, is that faith wasn't just for people of Bible times in this one chapter of the Bible. Our goal is to have living faith. Faith that is visible and active and that we take God at his word, trusting him obediently and stepping out on faith. You know, we know we're supposed to evangelize. We know we're supposed to share the good news with other people. 
And that can be done in different ways. A coffee shop Bible study is not the only way to do that. But here's what we do in church. We, we, we know the verses. We memorize Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We memorize these verses that say go into all the world. We know that's important. We'll have classes on evangelism, studying various methods and steps that we can do to evangelize. We will go through exponential amounts of intellectual processing and reasoning. And maybe what we need to do is simply go and do. Go and do what he said. That's faith. How's that going to work? What if I don't have the answers? Listen, I don't know all that. All I do know is that anyone who, who comes to the Lord, Hebrews eleven six, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So a couple of Wednesday nights, here comes a, a, a young man who has been studying his Bible at a Bible study he found on meetup.com, led by Amy Dobson. She's connecting him to other people in the church because of her faith and trust in the Lord. I use that illustration to make this point. We know what to do. Knowing is not the problem. It's doing that's the issue, and that's where faith comes in. So if you need a little more faith, you need to just practice what you know you need to do. Third one. We need to grow in love. Growing in love, Philippians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Philippians 1 was a church uh, that must have exuded a great deal of joy in their meeting times. And Paul said this, it is, God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be filled, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. His desire, even though they were a joyful people, was that their love would abound more and more, that they would learn to love the Lord more with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they would learn to love each other more and more. That's an easy thing to say, but, you know, as uh, Steve Tandy often said when we were training together, church would be an easy thing if it were not for people. It's challenging sometimes, but we have to learn that just as he is merciful, just as the Lord is merciful and patient with us, so we too must be with other people. This does not happen instantaneously, however. We have to grow through the seasons. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. For everything. You know, he wasn't just talking about trees and plants and, and things in the natural world. He said, for everything there's a season. I had a very wise man once tell me, Toby, if you pay attention, everything runs in cycles. Everything goes in cycles. And the older I get, the truer I believe, uh, the, the more I see the truth of that statement. We have to go through these cycles in our lives. We know that winter is almost over. We expect spring to be coming. God promised that the seasons would continue. He promised that to Noah. He said they're going to continue forever. Now, my question is, what season of life are you in? 
Are you in the season of new growth and expectancy? Are you in the season of the summer and the heat and the hard work and the labor that's required? Are you in the season of change as things are shifting in your life? Are you in the season of rest and dormancy? All different types of seasons in the lives that we live, and God's going to use each one of them. A couple of examples, I'll give them to you really quick. Peter, Paul, I'm sorry, Jesus grew Peter, and Peter had some biases against the Gentiles, some prejudices, okay? And that's pretty natural as he was raised. The Jews were God's chosen people, have nothing to do with the Gentiles. That would be a very natural way of thinking. But Jesus, when he first called Peter, did not call him out of the boat. And he said, now, come along, Peter. Now, listen, you got some prejudice stuff in your heart against those Gentiles. And I'm going to go start a church, and we're going to change the world. But before you do that, I need you to get that out of your heart. Now, he didn't do that. Jesus knew where Peter was, certainly. He knew his heart. But he said, this ain't the right season for that. There's a time, there's a season for everything under heaven. Saul, later became Paul, was the Pharisee, righteous, uh, a, a, a zealot, uh, trained under Gamaliel. In every way, righteous under the law, as righteous as the person could be. Righteous enough to see Christianity not as a movement, but as a heresy. This man's claim, claiming to be God. These people think he rose from the dead. We need to deal with this. And so he was there overseeing the persecution of the early church. And he was in a season. And he was blinded by the light on the road to Damascus. And even though Paul, in his conscience, thought he was right, Saul, rather, at that time, thought he was right, he wasn't right, he was wrong. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. And Jesus showed the, the error of his ways. He was blinded by the light. As he walked away from Damascus, the road to Damascus, you know, now blind, unable to see, having to be led by other people, Perhaps he was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I'm on the wrong path here. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. You know, God, Jesus was able to use him. When they were bringing him into the early church, people argued, are you sure, Lord, this man has been persecuting other people? And Jesus said, go, this man is my chosen instrument. What about you? What season are you in? And how is Jesus using the season you're in to make him more into his image? Not to achieve your dreams, not to do the things you want to do, to make him, to make you what he has in mind for you. Well, I have much more to this sermon, and uh, I can tell some of you have sort of disengaged. So we're just going to stop right here this morning, and uh, you're like... Jesus must be coming back. The preacher stopped the sermon. We've got much more to do, and I'm reasonably sure there will be other Sundays, and we'll finish this out. I want you to think about what season he's using you and how he's using you. Every season has a reason. So my question is, what reason does he have you in the season you're in this morning? If you do not know Jesus Christ... Uh, some people will say, well, I just have to pray a prayer or invite him into my heart. The Bible never mentions any of those things. Jesus said, in fact, if you wanted to follow him, you had to follow him, which means to trust him, to do what he said to do. And so if this morning you're ready to follow him, 
if you're ready for Him to grow you and change you and shape you into His image, then I will be glad, and our elders will as well, to meet you down front and help you with the first and the many other steps in that journey. And if you've made that decision, but you've grown stagnant in your spiritual life and you just know you're not where you should be, and you want us to pray with you, you want us as the congregation to pray with you, we'll be happy to do that. And whatever need you have, why don't you come together as we stand and sing.